Greetings, friends. My name is Jessa McLean, and I'm here to provide you with some blueprints of disruption. This weekly podcast is dedicated to amplifying the work of activists, examining power structures, and sharing the success stories from the grassroots. Through these discussions, we hope to provide folks with the tools and the inspiration they need to start to dismantle capitalism, decolonize our spaces, and bring about the political revolution that we know we need. All right, most of us know, or at least have an idea, of what a union is. One that's based in the workplace, that is. But what is a community union? And why would we need such a thing? Now, the answer to that second question might be obvious to our regular listeners, because we often talk about the need to raise the profile of certain issues, issues that are routinely left off the agenda of more labor-based movements, issues like the legislated poverty of social assistance and the struggle of tenants, renters trying to stay housed, things the poorest people need right now to survive. So just as labor unions unite workers against the tyranny of bad bosses and oppressive governments, organizations like Acorn Canada are building community unions or tenant unions to empower entire communities to push back against the forces of capitalism, particularly landlords. Acorn Canada employs a variety of tactics to do this, and Alejandro Ruiz Vargas is here with our team to talk about those strategies and what shapes their priorities. They've got a lot of members. How do they make sure all those voices are heard and represented meaningfully? We talk about how Acorn were able to build capacity during difficult times and actually secure victories in a political climate clearly hostile to the needs of low-income and or fixed-income people. Alejandra opens up about how she keeps going when there are setbacks and why it's so important to celebrate and remember victories. I certainly needed to hear her energizing perspective on this often grueling class war that we're in. So sit back and soak it all up, rabble-rousers. Welcome, Alejandra. Can you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Thank you, Yes, Thank you for the invitation. It's pretty excited always when we can speak about the things that you're passionate about it. So my name is Alejandra Ruiz Vargas, and I am the chair for the East George chapter of ACORN. And I, am, uh, I work in the housing sector. And um, what else? I am a mother and a daughter. I am a, uh, a lover of people. <laughs> so this is what I would like to say right now. Okay, well, I think there will be a lot of people in our audience that are familiar with the work of ACORN, but can you just give us an idea of what ACORN is for those that don't? Sure, thank you. Well, we are a tenant union made of low-income and moderate-income people. We are 160,000 people across Canada, yay, and growing as well. And then uh, we are in 24 uh, neighborhoods across Canada, nine cities. And um, here in Ontario, we are 46,000. So we have been fighting heavily about affordable housing, rent control, childcare, EI, fair banking, remittances, that um, pretty much this is our portfolio. Your website describes it as, you know, the issues for low and moderate income folks. Is, yes. Is that kind of a multi-issue 
movement or organization there. Uh, Santiago and I were scoping out Acorn's website as we do our due diligence. I was surprised at something, and it's not a criticism, but I do want to ask you folks about it. So it's it's a membership-based organization, although you know anyone can join your events and, and whatnot, but um, it there is a monthly fee of $15. Does, is this what sustains all of your work, or do you also have to supplement that with donations? Thank you, Jess. I love your question, because I think so people sometimes feel a chain. What do you mean? You are a low income, a moderate income, and then you are asking $15 minimum to start. And I always say, well, it's, the sky is the limit. If you want to put more, well, welcome, of course. The $15 is specifically what you say, Jessa. This is why uh, we know how to own nobody. Whatever we do is uh, because it's the necessity of the community. So that means if we fight for housing uh, and other people don't want to fight for housing, well, sorry, but this is what we want. So we know how to be accountable to only the community, only to our members. So this I found that is very uplifting. And it's awesome because many of the times low income and moderate income has been put in a corner, has been like, like swap, swap away. But this gives us empowerment. We are taking money from our sweat, isn't it? From our daily jobs. And we are creating something that it has been becoming so powerful that people now when I hear the name of Acorn, I hold so they check, meaning the politicians. <laughs> Or, or people like that, you know, that, that, that we are landlords and people like that. Because um, I, I personally feel proud when I give my money, my monthly, uh, I, give, uh, the, I give a little bit more of $15. We know how to go there. But what I try to say is I feel very proud because uh, it's money that is very well expended. Our staff is knocking, knocking, knocking every day in different parts of the city. That, by the way, I, I, I forgot to tell you that we are in six chapters here in the city of Toronto. So we are very well spread. Yes, so um, oh, wow. when I say there are people knocking every neighborhood in the city, I'm not joking. <laughs> I imagine having all of those chapters within that you know, one urban setting allows you to be really in tune with what the community needs are, as opposed to if it was just a Toronto chapter. But um, back to the membership, I was going to ask you, do you think there is a twofold benefit? And you kind of answered my question there. But, uh, you know, one, you get to fund your work, which is important. But two, it creates a sense of ownership over the entire project. Um, do you ever find it acts as a barrier to access, though? Like, there, there's got to be folks that want to con contribute or be a, a part of it, but, you know, maybe just can't afford it. Do you, are there exceptions, I guess? Like, well, people at the beginning, sometimes there are people like, yeah, yeah, I sign and this is my, my credit card or, or my visa, whatever. But, um, there are other people that's like, let me think about it. And there are people who goes in the way and it's like, you know what? Yeah, you, you're real. So let me let me do it. But yes, we had the ones who are like, you know what? I will be volunteering, like calling or doing this stuff. And this, what we call 
honorary members, but unfortunately, these ones cannot vote. This is the only difference, but they can be active and they can, they, and, and their ideas are, of course, value. Because, yeah, Santiago, you were surprised, like, they're able to pay organizers, right? You've got a job posting up there, you hire community organizers and are able to compensate them, right? We know that's not always the case, especially when you're organizing around really kind of poverty issues. That is impressive and seeing how many members across Canada. Now, your website lists some serious victories, we share a lot of doom and gloom here, you know, especially when we're talking politics amongst the left, right, uh, in Ontario and Toronto's budget. But you guys found a little bit of bright spots there and some victories. Do you want to talk about them a little bit and, and how you kind of secured them? I know in your on your website you thank specific councillors uh, for... I know that's not an ideal budget for you, but, you know... Let's focus on what you did get and how you got it, because I think some people need some some good news about that that budget and what's to come. I think so. What you say is so important because sometimes when when you are fighting for the most vulnerable, you you don't even have time sometimes to even uh, celebrate because there's not too much to celebrate. But uh, I am a big believer. We are a big believer that whatever little thing that we win, we should celebrate because this has become like the gasoline, you know? This become the energy for really take uh, the other task that has been more difficult. So uh, we, we said we're celebrating that the rent bank uh, is still a rent bank that you really know how to pay back because it's funny that it's called, it was called the rent bank but the rent bank, well, it's not funny. Well, it's, yeah, it should be, it was a rent bank, so you had to pay. If you were in arrears, you had to pay back. But in the first place, you're in arrears because you don't have money. So why you had to pay back? So when COVID came out, we, we started to say, well, people don't have money. People is like layoff. People don't have jobs. Well, you name it. So how are they going to pay back? What about if we really take um, a, a, a pool of money and put it there? And then people can utilize this money. When the money is gone, it's gone. But at least we use that to support many Torontonians that were really facing hardship. And this is what happened. And in this, for this budget, at least it's still the same. So it's $5 million that are there for families, for people that need it in the difficult times. So we should celebrate. We should be really doing uh, a party for that. But... Yeah, sometimes we don't do it, but I personally believe that we should do it. Uh, a, a meeting, at least a gathering with something and say, you know what, you You do. I mean, that, that sustains your work sometimes, right? It's just what you got on the inside, if nothing else. So, no, uh, that's, that's a lesson sometimes I need to learn a little bit better to celebrate those victories because we spend a lot of time, like, you know, critiquing, but... Yes, yes, it's true. And it's very, it's a very consuming energy when you critique and when you celebrate, it's like, it's like deliverance, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, we need to take whatever victories we can get because it can be far and few in between and that keeps people going, you know? I wanted to ask, um, you know, a lot of people who haven't been involved in activism before you know they ask me where should they 
spend their time, you know, should they be volunteering for political organizations? You're a community union. What is it about that structure that is is a good place to get the work done? Why why there instead of the existing political parties, for example, what's the benefit of existing outside of that space is kind of what I'm asking. Yes. Well, first of all, because it, it gives you a voice. Many of the low-income and moderate-income uh, people are, have been silenced for decades. It's an effort centuries, really. You want to, you, we, we, we're going to be real. Um, so this is a space where people, each one of the members, because we, we had a meeting every month, where we get together uh, by chapter, and everybody had a time, what we call, it's a time where everybody say their ideas, or their issues, or their neighbor's issues. So it's like, like um Like a town hall? Uh, it's like a town hall, but we call it another name, and I don't know why it went away. Uh, so it's a very simple name. It will come, hopefully. If, if not, I'll tell you later. But anyway. <laughs> Everybody had the ability to speak, and this is the most important part of the meeting where people speak and, op- uh, and or give an opinion how they feel about different issues. So this, for a start, is a very important. The other thing is when somebody has an issue, uh, we're going to them. We're going as an organization, we plan, and we, and we go to their building. So when, some, when somebody as a person that has been left out uh, or, or cornered out and see that oh, another group of people like them are going to support, well, this can this boost, this boost everybody, everybody, isn't it? They feel like, oh, wow, somebody really care about me. And this is why I think so has been so successful because at the end of the day is people is the real deal people that are saying what are their issues and this is how we choose what we're going to work in. And the same people decide what is priority. For example, the other day we had a lady who came, she's going to be evicted and we had another, a whole building that had issues with the um, heating. No, sorry, the water. The water was like, they were taking water pretty much all day without not telling them. So all we decide that we need to support this person, this one person that is going to be evicted, that the other people can't wait. Do you vote or do you try to build a consensus there? Like how are the decisions made with such a large group of people, you know, without um, the typical approach that we see sometimes in yes, decision well, making. Yes, well, this is only, I am speaking only the, uh, East York, but this is how it happens in every chapter. So uh, this is how we decide chapter by chapter. So we were there, the group, the people that came, normally uh, if 20 people are there, with 10 that say, the half that say yes, like democracy, well, isn't it half and a one more is yes. So... This is what we did. It was very simple. Everybody knew that being evicted is worse than way a little bit for the, for the water because at least they had a roof. And, and this is how we do our, our consensus. See, it's interesting. You, you use majority 
rules, you know, to make your decisions. But at the same time, when you're making those decisions, you were able to prioritize an individual in a more dire situation rather than the larger group of people who might have been more pleased, right? And you would help more at once. But, you know, that that difference was made. Um, so I find that kind of interesting. That what kind of values do you think you could describe as driving ACORN in general. Like I know it's made up of members, so it's going to be really eclectic, but generally it's an anti-poverty movement. Would that be a kind of accurate description? Is it strictly based? You you called it a tenant union. The website calls it a community union. Is it strictly for those that rent housing issues? No, I no. Um, it's for everybody. And I think so we are more about justice. I think so our value that it results more, we can put a, you know, in, a, in our website, like a, something that I say all the time, justice, the justice will come out, isn't it? The word justice is, is pretty much what we have been working since 2004. And in USA previously, same thing was justice. And, and it's still being justice. Uh, because, for example, childcare, it's not only an issue of uh, low income and moderate income, isn't it? And housing is not, it's, it was probably before, but now it's touching the middle class. Actually, now it's touching the whole country because it's, it's, it's touching the economy. Uh, and it's, plus, it's, it's, it's making us look very bad in front of the United Nations as well. So this, this, is, this is not anymore an issue of, of low income or moderate income. I wanted to ask, so... I noticed that so Acorn's been around since 2004 and a lot has changed since then in in Canadian politics. We've seen that income inequality continue to grow, more people are being left further and further behind and struggling and has has that change in in landscape reflected more engagement with organizations like Acorn? Like, are you seeing more and more people turn to your organization looking for for answers and looking for ways to to be able to, to fight against that? Yes, uh, this is a, I love that question because from the ashes, we see beauty. You know, uh, when, when COVID hits, people were thinking, well, what are we going to do? But actually, this brings all the, the, the issues that we have been working since 2004 were highlighted, you know. So these help us to get, gain more uh, members and to get, gain more attention. Because now we had a pandemic and, and, uh, and there are all these issues that were like popping up uh, so clearly that nobody can deny it. So this is so awesome how we take, took this on an advantage and we had meetings with 200 people and, and they soon show up. And it was really good because 200 people called uh, Justin Trudeau, the housing minister, and all those four or emails, you know. So it was really massive and the pressure was really on. So I think so. I always like to see the positive on the negative. I don't like to dwell too much on the negative, even though it's a reality that hits ourselves every day. 
But I try to to see what we can take from it, isn't it? And this was amazing because I I that we had a chant that goes, it's not no no how it goes. Start the war on the poor, may the rich pay. We are tired, we are hungry, we won't go away. And we used to sing that in 2015, and people were looking at us like, are you are crazy, people. You're crazy, you know? <laughs> now and they then know now what you're we're coming about. in the pandemic, and we are like singing that, and I say, I told you so, baby. You know, this is what is happening right now. So, and when, when I say I, I, I don't say I because it's, it's we, isn't it? Sorry, I get excited. It's we, we, we. That makes me happy to hear because I think there was a little bit of frustration around, well, COVID, I don't mean like itself, but the lack of capitalization on the moment, right? Because it was a bit of an I told you so moment for people who had been talking anti-capitalism and warning of the systems in play and how it would get worse. I mean, we I don't think anyone quite anticipated that, but surely, yeah, it did shed light on some stuff and particularly landlords um, and the precarious situation folks are in where it took almost nothing, you know, like nothing within our control to put a lot of people in even more precarious positions. So to hear that you folks were able to build your ranks a little bit during this is heartwarming to hear because I think across the board, I'm not sure if everyone saw that uptick. Electoral politics did not. So perhaps um, folks are seeing that community organizing is, is a better avenue for that. You touched on your uh, tactics a little bit, right? You talked about a phone bank and appealing to ministers and, and people of power and creating buzz that way. Want to talk about your tactics a little bit, what you guys tend and door knocking, right? You talked about uh, deep canvassing is what we like to call it, right? Working the community year round, listening uh, and meeting people one on one as much as possible. Is that the most effective kind of use of Acorn's time? Do you find that kind of engagement or, you know, I'm, I'm sure petitions and you know, you list a whole sort of tactics on your website, but we do talk about that a lot on the show in terms of what you think works best. And can you shed light on that? Sure. Well, door knocking is something that is fantastic, isn't it? Like door knocking. But one of the things that uh, really it works super well is when we go in door knocking and we say, uh, let's say um, you had you had a rent control. Let's go to with rent control. So uh, do you want to call right now uh, the Ministry of Housing? And people say, okay. So At their front door, you yes, ask them at to their call front right door. there. Yeah, yeah. So we have been doing that. Okay, uh, yeah. That's, that's and cool. It, and it has been working pretty good. Uh, we did it. Uh, we did it with, uh, well, with municipal. We have been seeing more more uh, results because probably I know how to tell you, but this government, uh, the provincial government is like a stone. I will not say a rock because a rock is alive, you know? A rock is a diamond, but this guy is a stone. It's like y you try to talk with a guy and the person is like, 
festival, I never see such a lack of political uh, courtesy. You know, when you send an email, normally they send you an email that is, is uh, scripted already, isn't it? Uh, at least, hey, yes, I acknowledge I received your email. This office of the premier, never, never. Like a black hole. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we had no been having, uh, even though we had been doing all these petitioning, actions, calling, uh, we had not been having too much uh, reply from him. Uh, but this is what we have been doing, like calling in the spot has been very helpful uh, to the point that people have been asking us, please, please don't do that because then I had my voicemail full and I don't want to do without this. And But normally we have been here from these people, yes, let's talk, yes. So you mean the municipal uh, the municipal, politicians? The right, municipal good, good. have been, and the federal, the federal too. With the federal, we have been having... We have a, a bit of a mix in the city, right? Like Yes, a, yes. A, it's the PC uh, folks that are just immovable, right? But you have a few others to choose from federally to, to apply pressure to. But The PC is only once as answer to us. Uh, it was the Ministry of Housing. When he took recently the, the office, we did an action there in 77 Bay, and he sent somebody uh, in his representation, and from that time, never anymore. I guess he didn't like what you guys had to say. So in four years, almost five years, never anymore. Do you find like that approach then, when governments are like that, so stubborn and and non-responsive do you kind of at that point as an organization decide like your resources perhaps aren't best spent calling them emailing them that you find a different level of government or do you just try a different approach with these folks like something a little more disruptive or direct action do are they responsive to that yeah, we are relentless, isn't it? We still keep <laughs> it. We going, we going, we going, we going. Because uh, we try to. Uh, one of the other things that it works pretty good, and I don't know how this is going to sound, but it's shaming people. That's a valid tactic. Don't worry, Alejandra. We've had a lot of people on here that use that approach quite effectively. Yes, shaming. I don't know if there are another fancy word for that. I don't know, making them accountable, maybe, in the TV. <laughs> It's okay. We can shame them. Right? We yell it out at rallies, like, shame. Um, sure. They should be. Yeah, I know. I, I, I call it then, too. But um, so, yeah, to make them accountable. And so we have been doing that. And uh, normally when this happens, we landlords always we receive a call or they fix it. They fix the problem. Uh, it has been very effective, very effective. Uh, with politicians... Different story. <laughs> different story. Uh, well, with John Tory, we had been telling him, we had been changing him. Um, uh, well, with housing, we didn't really uh, move forward too much. Uh, the, the housing chair is a person, at that time, it was a person who, who really... We didn't know what it stand. She tried to be a person who tried to, I don't know, maybe. Did they talk a good game, you know, like a politician does? Uh, you know, I will say, like, like she will dance the dance, the music you play. Right, yeah? I got you. Yeah. yeah. She, you hear what you want to hear. Yeah. She tells yeah. what you want to hear. 
Yeah, so you didn't know what, what to take from, from that person, but this is what we have been doing. And uh, in, a, in, a, in a different scenario, always have been working, but these days it's becoming more harder and harder because coming to the word accountability, I see so Canadians used to be, we used to be people that were very accountable. When we were in a, in a, in a public servant was very accountable. It was very serious. But lately, I don't know if you noticed, but we have been, the quality of accountability is like fading, fading. And this is something that, speaking from me now, this is I speaking, uh, is something that is worrisome. Worrisome. I come in from a country, even though this is my home, Canada is my home, but I come in from a country where accountability was a word that probably was missing in the, in the dictionary. So now I came 70 years ago to this country and I saw that accountability was in the dictionary in Canada. But now it's fading and I am, it's, it's uncomfortable for me to see that it's, it's, it's fading, it's, cha it's changing, it's, it, I don't know, I, and I don't like it. You know, one thing I always found interesting in Canada versus in, in places like Colombia, in Colombia, like, we know that politicians are corrupt when they take money and do favors for people they take money from. But here, like in the 2018 ACORN report that you guys put out about uh, the developer money, right? I, I never hear the word corruption being thrown around. Like, they just kind of... that That's much more accepted as an, a, a normal part of how politics works here. And, 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 and it was all of them, essentially, all of the city councils. And, we're, you know, we're having this conversation about accountability. And maybe it's not so much that they're not accountable, but that they're being accountable for the wrong people, for the people who are financing their campaigns and such. And, I mean, have you, after after that report came out, did, did you hear much from the city councilors as a response to <laughs> You to mean, that? like, blowback? Like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, <laughs> did, like, I mean, I haven't heard yet what happened in the election that we just had in October if if they took less developer money but because they were scared. But I do know that there was pledges going around. You know, Diana Yoon had the, the no developer money pledge. I mean, it was a conversation that you guys were a very large part in, in, in starting that conversation. I mean, did it? I don't know if it worked. Did, like, was there was there some change this time around? Were they more afraid of taking that developer money? Uh, I don't know if they are more afraid, but they call us and they they told you how dare you. Some people told some counselors told us how dare you. You went too far. I, what do you mean you went too far? Did they threaten any lawsuits? No, no, no. But they they. No, no, this will be like, I, I will laugh about that. Like, I mean, they'd have to uh, like, prove what do you mean? Lawsuits isn't your web page. <laughs> what do you mean? Isn't your web page? What do you think we took the information? It's, yeah, they were like, next time you need to tell me first. One told us, and the, the other uh, told us, we have been friends. Why you didn't tell me? Ah. I was going to say, was it the more progressive, without naming any names, was it the more progressive ones that called you to complain? No, no, no. No? Okay, No, no, okay. the progressive ones, they didn't tell us a bit. 
No, was the others, the ones who dance, when the dance that is thrown out to them, the music that is thrown out to them, the ones who you never know what to think about them. That oh, okay. ones we were the ones who ones, call. Yeah. They're that, even more dangerous. These are the ones who you never know, and you need to be really ready for that because you never know where they're coming from or what they're going to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, was that I am aware was one that it really confronted us in, in actually in a meeting that we requested with, with the person. Uh, and she said, oh, and by the way, the money that it came to my uh, campaign is it's not developers. It's a small business that works for developers. Say, so, oh, okay. Yeah, so what is the point here? Anyway, uh, she said, this is family. This is very decent families that work for, for developments. And um, yeah. We're hearing was, those family names over and over again now talking about the Greenbelt. I know what family yes, she's talking about. Yes. So, yeah, it was kind of bizarre because we were expecting that. Oh, and the other thing is the media. The media was the most, for me, was the most bizarre part. The media didn't cover, really. <laughs> I, I will be, a media will be like, what? Okay, Echo, I want to know more. Please let me know. Everybody was like quiet. It's like, what are you talking about? It's, I, I, I don't know. It was very strange. We were, we were calling ourselves. Our staff was calling us. And it's like, did you hear from the media? No. We were thinking this will be like, you know, when you throw candy or something and people like up from it's a like piñata or something. It's right? Yes. Like it's, <laughs> it's juicy stuff, even though, you know, this isn't some sometimes boring policy report. Like we need those people. I No shame there. but For sure. I can almost not say something because I will go off on a half hour rant just about that. I'm a journalism student, by the way. Uh, uh -huh. And and for the record, I did use the 2018 report in an article I wrote uh, for the October election. Uh, oh, nice. But I noticed that almost nobody did. And, and you know, last episode that we had, we were talking about biases in media, right? And how... <sighs> I, I almost can't go into this because it, it'll make me so angry. It's like a but whole like, other episode. Th there yes. is no logical reason to not you. That study was incredibly well done. Incredibly yes, well was. done. We and leaned if, on it heavily for an entire episode almost. It made up proof, a chunk of my show notes. The fact that you guys didn't uh, face any uh, threats of lawsuits is proof in and of itself as how well it was done because if there was an uh, even the tiniest bit wrong with it they would have of course gone after it but so media completely ignoring that from an organization of the size of acorn is one of the most just like glaring examples as the hypocrisy when it comes to these biases absolute hypocrisy sorry i just oh it's true it's, it's when you see like you know who pays me who is my employee employer that's it. That's it. Like, the, like, take the mask here, and this is who is my employer. This is why I love Acorn, because nobody can tell, hey, can you please don't speak about it, about that, because, you know, I am the one who give you the money. Simple like that. So, no, the money coming from our pockets. We had some organizations that get us because we are not charitable, but they never had asked anything. Oh, can you do this? Can you do that? And any they do, we will say, I'm sorry. Nobody asked you to give you us the money. Well, <laughs> well, it's not true. We asked, but <laughs> you know what I mean. 
You're not taking any developer money, are you, Acorn? No, 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 no. <laughs> if we will take in some developer money, we will be asking for affordable housing right now. Well, we ask, but what I, what I try to say, well, the money will be totally put it for affordable housing without no doubt. You guys have your hands full, man. Like I was checking out your Twitter feed, Acorn's Twitter feed. There's a bunch of chapters there that folks can follow. We'll include some links uh, in the show notes. But, man, landlords suck. Like, we've talked about the idea of decommodifying uh, housing altogether, right? Housing is a human right. We shouldn't, no one should be profiting off of it. But in the situation we are, people clearly, that's the case right now. But, I mean, like, we're looking... At all these stories on the feed, you mentioned one about water. There's, you know, folks out in Hamilton, that building that hasn't had water in ages. And it, it just keeps going. Buildings, single occupant, you know, on the damn fourth there, we've got a whole bunch of affordable homes that are going to be torn down. And, and you folks are organizing around that. I don't know if that's your particular chapter or not, but so many, especially when you're multi-issue, and then you have to represent so many members and they live in so many different buildings with different landlords. That's a lot of work. Is there like, is there a piece of legislation or some sort of reform that's accessible, you know, before we decommodify <laughs> housing that would make renters a lot safer? Like, is there policy change there that ACORN is geared up against or yes um since 2000 probably four since the beginning we have been um fighting against two loopholes and three loopholes actually three loopholes on the rent tenancy act the first is the rent control should be to all buildings that are rental purpose not only the ones that are 19 81. We, if you remember, we, with the liberals, we won that. And, it, and the funny This is part, provincially here in Ontario, right? Yes, provincially here in, in Ontario. So we, won the, we, we were fighting, 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 fighting. And I, what I'm going to say, uh, I, I know this is no, no coming from resentment. This is the reality. We were fighting, 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 meeting with the, with, uh, with the housing minister at that time, and, and previous to the other housing minister, because remember that time with so many housing ministers changed at the same... Cabinet shuffles. Yeah, and, 2017, yeah. 2018, as like... And then 2019, like three housing... So finally, a middle-class family has a hit in the rent. And then she's, she's coming in the news. And then the, the premier at the time... Uh, I, I'm very bad with names. Win, thank you. She said, oh, no, this is terrible. And now we're going to do a real rent, uh, sorry, rent control for each, all the buildings. All the, so we celebrate and all the stuff, and then those four remove it. Oh, my God, I knew that so, was coming. Like yes, so we're coming backwards again. But this will be one. The other is called the AFAF, the guideline increases. That is that give power to the landlords every time they do, uh, are, are, uh, for example, they do the new boiler. Like a renovation or improvement. Yeah, an improvement that 
is passed to the tenants. So these increase again. Because they wouldn't want to take it out of their profits, right? Yes, of course. (laughs) Yes, it will be so silly for them, for sure. So this will be another law that they, they needs to be banished, not even modified, needs to be banished. Because, so if you're going to, to ask me for about the guideline increases in my, in, my, in my unit, so please don't increase my rent. So what is the sense that you increase my rent every year, plus now you increase that what the guideline increases as well. And the other thing that is, I think so, the, the awful one, that is, this is the most of the old three. No. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, already even, mad, Alejandra. Like, I, I did I know. not know that second one at all. And so, okay, I'm bracing. There is Go the ahead. big vacancy decontrol. So that means that if you just move out and Santiago coming in, the, me as a landlord, I can raise $500 up, $1,000 up, and nobody told me anything. And, it's and this legal. is in any building? It's in any building. So, that means, so this is well, where the renovations come from? Exactly. Too? And this is why people that are living uh, in affordable units, these are why the landlord doesn't repair. The landlords are extremely rude. This is why the landlord doesn't do pest control. They're this trying to drive why, them out. Of course, because <sighs> they want... And okay. we had heard members, and when I was campaigning... Uh, we had heard people that had say to us, my landlord come and told me, I will not repair your, your place because you don't give me enough money. So this is the daily bread for Torontonians, for Ontarians, uh, renters. And uh, we have been receiving people crying, like crying. No, no like, doubt. Uh, of course, because... They had been two years living with a leaking roof or a leaking sink or cockroach, and they had children. And you know when you had cockroach, you, every morning you had to wake up and wash everything. Every time you cook, you need to wash everything because how are you going to cook with all this cockroach? And it's a meat, it's a meat, and I, 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 I want to stress in this, it's a meat that cockroach live only in places that are dirty. This is a myth. This is not because people is dirty, because normally people associate, oh, you are poor, you are dirty. But it's not the case. There are people, members of us, who pay $1,700 per in rent, isn't it? And of course, you become a moderate income, because $1,700 leave you with what? to spend, to pay rent, to, sorry, to pay food, to pay uh, medication. Oh, and, and, and the other thing that people is not talking about is about culture. If you don't have money, how culture in a country can grow? Tell me. Yeah, I hear that. How our neighbors are doing absolutely shapes our whole community. Exactly. Yeah. That exactly. must make you, that approach, like, that approach from landlords must makes everyone mad, I'm sure. But I read something that you had posted about what Doug Ford had said to you in terms of how to cope with these high rents. And it's just don't move out. 
right? That was all he was offering in terms of a solution. You have all these three policy ideas to make things better, and his is just like, hang tight, folks. Stay in those apartments regardless of how bad they get. Um, and that's maddening. No wonder you call them stone. You know, yes. That's, that's well, this, this is a proof that he doesn't know much about housing, first of all. I don't think he's ever had to worry about housing, Alejandra. Yes, but I, but in the policy he doesn't know much. Oh like, no, no, probably nothing. And uh, and the other thing is that he uh, gives a gives us. Well, this is how I took it, and I spoke with with our our, our CEO, our staff, our CEO staff, and I said, you know what? What I learned from that meeting with him, that we are now more responsible to educate people. Because when we educate people, people, you cannot tell me that the sun is red because I know the sun is, you know, yellow. You want to say a sample so simple. Because I, somebody had told me I've been educated, I have been reading. But when somebody meet with him, meaning Mr. Premier, and because he is, again, the sample of the stone, he's in a movable, and you can tell him, look at his, I am burning. And he's like, no, you're not burning. You are okay. You're fine. So when he meets with somebody who doesn't know the reality, he will say, this guy is great. And this, is for me, was like, a, you know, these moments when your brain, like, explodes, and I say, oh, this is why people vote for him, because people don't know, and he's coming all... Um, a very um, a secure of himself. He has been a very wealthy person, isn't it? And he's coming and he say, no, I get you. I understand you. Don't worry. I know what you're suffering. I know, of course, I'm going to believe that if I don't know the reality, if I don't know that all his policies are making us poor and making us more weaker and making us more even against each other. But when I really know and I really educate myself, I will not believe him. So this meeting with him really uh, make us aware that now this is a bigger responsibility that we had as uh, advocates, as uh, volunteers, as a people, as a community. And your work is like extra cut out for you because as you said, like the media is not very responsive, right? They will amplify his talking points, right? Repeat them unquestionably, uncritically, you know, and he'll get a platform for all of that nonsense he spouts out. Whereas you folks and all the other great folks that are doing that work really have to work to get that amplification. So, I mean, we're happy to to give whatever space there. But yeah, that's that's very frustrating because misinformation is likely why most people vote against their best interest. There's lots of renters who are still voting for Ford, right? So despite all of the things that he did in his first term to make it easier to evict people and whatnot. So yeah, like, thank goodness you folks are doing that work, but that is a lot of fronts to be battling on. Cause one of the things I did want to ask you about on top of all of your awareness raising and the other tactics that we've talked about, I guess this is part of it though. It's all part of it. Well, I won't answer for you. Uh, your website talks about community building and uh, building community power. What is that? What do you mean? Okay. So 
Uh, I think so. We coming back to the point when I was saying that we give it the voice to the ones who does not have a voice. So when we knock at the door and we say, "Hi, look, my name is so and so, and I'm coming from Acorn." Then you hear what is Acorn, and they say, "No." So we explain it what is Acorn, and then we say, "Do you have uh, problems in your building?" And you see how they roll their eyes sometimes, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, That's a good opening this line. Is, <laughs> yes, this is a trick question or what? So <laughs> yeah. then, uh, so we start look at this is what we can do. So people uh, start to get excited. Oh, really? There are other people I never even imagined that I can hear that I'm going to see this in Toronto specifically, uh, where people are scared and say, no, 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 I cannot talk with you because I'm going to, the landlord is going to be angry with me and close the door. Can you believe that in 2023, in this century, when they are paying the rent, and they no one get involved because they're going to have retaliations from the landlord. So it's like on her, uh, but this is a reality uh, um, that we have um, found in, in places where people don't want a fight because uh, they are afraid. But coming back about the community, uh, when people see other people like them, that look like them, that, that are asking questions that is real. Oh, why you know that? Why you know that we had trouble? Why you know that I know how pest control? So they say, okay, no, I wanna participate. I wanna, yes, sure, let me sign, let me call. When is when you had that um, um, a meeting or when is or what I can do? So yes, for sure it's growing, it's growing community and it's making the community stronger because uh, the other piece that is, is very visible and is very, is a reality is that there are many people that coming from countries that uh, law is not really law, where they don't have nobody who can, they can even complain. At least we can say here today, okay, let's go Santiago, Jessa, let's go with Alejandra, let's go together, and we go to the corner, or, or we, let's go to Queen's Park, and we're going to uh, a screen, we need uh, more housing. But nobody's going to take us to jail from that. But there are places that you cannot even say that. So the education piece, and education brings community. And that empowerment that you're talking about, right, where they feel like they've got people behind them to, it's not just them versus the landlord, it's hopefully their whole building and beyond, right? Like they're, the East York community is there with them to a degree. I mean, I mean, I, I, and I just want to throw in because I was actually going to ask you earlier about, because uh, I, I used to live in Parkdale, right? And Parkdale has seen a lot of these fights, right? where big companies like Starlight buy up entire building. And then when when the members of that building, when the, the people who live there, they start to organize, they get threats of being evicted. And that, that I was going to ask you about it, and then you started talking about them. And that just, that reminds me about that because, I mean, it's just a terrifying concept, right? That 
just for the simple act of like standing together with the people in your building, your community, the people you live with, that they're threatening to evict you through a process through the landlord and tenant board, which is run by by landlords, which is not even a legitimate by any means legal system whatsoever. It's essentially a kangaroo court. And and so like w w what happens in those fights? Like how do you how do you fight against that when when these billion dollar companies are are threatening people when they when they have so much control when the systems in place like how do you how do you get people to believe in that yeah i think so this is a very valid question a very valid thought because we have been having that situation when people go two or three meetings and then they don't show up again and so we call and say what happens and no it's because uh, it's like always we go and it's only three, four, ten people, twenty people. What is the other people? Because we know there are more members. Why why they not coming and tired and getting discouraged? Uh, I all my my answer to that is this is a war, basically. And wars never has been won in a one battle. This is a constant battle. This is a this is a perseverance. We need to go and go and go until one day we're going to be hurt because they're going to get tired at some point. And at some point, more people are going to be together because more people is touching. The issue is touching more people. It's growing. The, the, the problem is not going nowhere. And the problem is sometimes we sound like a broken record. I don't know, you hear yourselves? Isn't it ourselves is like a broken record and you're like, oh man, I, I even look boring. But... It's not boring, it's a reality. So how am I going to change my son if the, if the one who is singing the song doesn't change the lyrics because it's not, you know what? It's not changes. So, but coming back to the point, is like uh, we're going to have these people that are going to say, no, I'm not coming more, I'm coming more to the events. But there are others that are more resilient and they're going to come back. And we try to always... Rem reminder test, remember when we won this? Remember when we did that? Remember it took so many years. For example, incluso in Arizona, how many years it took? 2005, Cherry and Owe started, then Acor picked it up uh, because she called us and we found out and all the story, and then she called other people and we start to grow finally 2019, and I'm not mistaken, we won 2005, 2019. All this fight, but we won, and yes, of course, the four show ups, and then he took it to five percent. But again, we need, we cannot stop. We cannot stop because we own it to our generations. We cannot stop because we own it to the seniors that can that have mobility issues. We cannot stop because we own it to a pro probably to a single parents that don't have the time. We own it to everybody who, again, don't have the voice. So we cannot stop. This needs to be our, our, this needs to be like planted in our heart, or at least it's planted in our heart that we cannot stop. But yes, Santiago, we're going to find people that are going to say, well, I'm not coming back because I know see uh, more, uh, like nothing has changed. And um, we need to be creative, and we 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 cannot get angry neither with that person. <laughs> uh, we need to say, okay, well, I 
this is what I've seen. Try again. Try another time. Look at um, this is what is happening. But I, we believe that at some point we're going to break ground. Um, and, and continue knowing that justice at some point needs to be outside a chime. And it will. That was such a great uh, question to kind of end our conversation um, because I think it kind of summed up the work of ACORN. And we do, sometimes we get daunted here with all of the work that needs to get done. And I love how you brought us back really without say, saying it, the need to have those celebrations and to remember the gains to know that it's possible. Um, I really do appreciate you taking the time to come on here, but more so all the work that you and your comrades are putting into the community. Um, I'm glad I got, I've been trying to reach out to Acorn for a while because we admire their work. And I, I really wanted to get into how you guys were structured and we got so much more than that out of the conversation. Um, so Alejandra, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to share with folks before we sign off that we didn't get to talk about or how they could get in touch or jump into what Acorn is up to? Well, we have several campaigns that are in the website. So you can go to a website, um, www.toronto.ca.org, um, or only simple browse Acorn Toronto or Acorn Canada, and you will find there are website. That, by the way, um, some people uh, saw our work and they revamped our, our website, so now it's cooler and easier to navigate. So you can go there and it will be very nice and you can um, participate in the um, campaigns that we had there. Uh, and um, yeah, and welcome, you wanna become a member. And again, I love the fact that we give money. So $15 and the sky's the limit, whatever you wanna do, whatever you wanna get us. So we are open. And thank you so much for this opportunity because, again, in between more people knows that we have rise, that we can do it, and that we together, we can do a change. Well, welcome. That is a wrap on another episode of Blueprints of Disruption. Thank you for joining us. Also, a very big thank you to the producer of our show, Santiago Halu Quintero. Blueprints of Disruption is an independent production operated cooperatively. You can follow us on Twitter at BP of Disruption. If you'd like to help us continue disrupting the status quo, please share our content, and if you have the means, consider becoming a patron. Not only does our support come from the progressive community, so does our content. So reach out to us and let us know what or who we should be amplifying. So until next time, keep disrupting.